0: A reading from Acts. When the apostles had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
1: A reading from the first letter of Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.
2: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me. Because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them, and now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord.
3: This past Wednesday evening was the eve of the Ascension in the church calendar, and sometime that evening, the upstairs bathroom right behind the sanctuary here flooded and took out the drop ceiling underneath and made a huge mess in the children's bathroom in the preschool so that when I arrived here on Thursday, the day of the Ascension, I found myself with Rose and Terry and Allison, the preschool director, down in the church basement dealing with plumbing issues. Bit of a paradox for Ascension, and I thought, there is some kind of theological significance to this, I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. This Sunday, I think, probably is one of the most awkward of the church year when it comes to our lections because we have this story of Jesus' Ascension, which sounds very strange to our ears. We have to understand that when it was written in the first century, the understanding of the cosmos, of the universe, was very different from ours. In the understanding of many of the New Testament writers, and, of course, much of the ancient world was that the universe really had three components. It had the underworld, it had the earth where we live, and then it had the heavens above where God dwelt. And, of course, that poses a unique problem for us who have a very different understanding of the universe, now an empirical understanding of the universe, which gave rise to a rather famous polemical line of one of our bishops of the last century who wrote, we know now that Jesus did not go into orbit. So what is it about the ascension that we can still say today? It's tricky, it's hard, especially when we're down in the basement dealing with the plumbing. John's Gospel today is a piece of Jesus' high priestly prayer where he is preparing to depart from the company of his disciples. And he talks about how his departure will give opportunity for them to understand that they are one with the Father as he is one with the Father. He is making room. Parallel to that is a line that came from our Easter gospel this year, where Mary Magdalene lays hold of the risen Christ on the morning of the resurrection, and he says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Something has to happen in order for us to embrace the fullness of the resurrected life that Christ has brought among us. And part of that has to do with Christ's departure. The closest we can come, I think, to an understanding of that is to think about the beloved people of our lives who are no longer with us. When I was growing up, The first departure of that kind occurred with the death of my grandfathers. My English grandfather in particular, I remember most acutely, he had just been to visit us and he ascended, you could say he got in an airplane, and went back to England and uh, died on the way home quite suddenly. And it struck me as I wrestled with my own grief about his departure from this life that I could hear his voice. I could remember him in a new way. He and I used to play chess in the English countryside on warm summer evenings. And I never saw a chessboard the same way again after he died. And even today, I can hear his voice with me, his wisdom, his understanding, his patience. In a way, that is how the early Christian community experienced Christ's departure. With Christ gone, ascended, as they would say, they could hear his voice in a new way. And they could perceive him now in everything, in one another, in the created world, in the hope that they held together in community, and, of course, in the breaking of the bread. That's what the seventh Sunday of Easter is about. It is about Christ departing to make room for us to see Christ not just in the historical figure of Jesus, but in everything now. You might say with our new cosmology, the ascension of Christ is not so much a going up, but a going out. Christ going to be with God and to be with all things in all times. That's good news for us, I would say. It was good news for those early Christians in the first century who were wrestling with what it meant now that their beloved rabbi had departed. In fact, he had not departed, but he was with them in a new way. And more than that, as we say, he had left to make room for the coming of the Advocate, the Spirit, to make room for Pentecost, which we celebrate next week. How is it that we can learn to not hold on to our notion of who Jesus is and instead let him rise to be the Christ, the holy presence of God in all things for us, so that we may learn to see the face of Jesus in one another and in all of creation? maybe even in the plumbing of our lives. When we have to go down to the basement and deal with the hard things, Christ is there because Christ, as we say, is ascended. And if that is the case, now, even today, so many centuries later, we can see, touch, and taste the risen Christ in our midst, and be opened to the coming of the Spirit, which promises to make all things new.